This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the dang newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting from Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. And we are still on presidential death watch. <laughs> Trump, uh, Trump is back at the White House and he is, quote, feeling great. Feeling great. His doctor says that he's no longer showing symptoms of COVID-19. Of course, he's still hopped up on a, a cocktail of drugs that really no other person has ever been given as part of a COVID treatment. And I just want to say for all of those still wanting to keep hope alive right now, just remember that it took a month for the virus to kill Herman Cain. And it came after several tweets from the Kane gang talking about how well he's doing and how much he's improving. Another funny aspect of this is that uh, Trump is basically doing a Hillary 2016. Feeling fine. <laughs> yeah. And yet, uh, as Dave Weigel pointed out in a tweet uh, a few days ago it feels like years ago or weeks ago i don't know um that weird mike cernovich was talking about how uh hillary's health issues were just evidence that she wasn't up to it in 2016 but that how president trump uh is going to survive covid and use it to his advantage in 2020 <laughs> and of course we also saw a similar take from from Paul Joseph Watson, a.k.a. at Prison Planet, who said that President Trump leaving the hospital had Chad optics, I believe is the phrase he used. Well, the optics actually weren't so great last night. Uh, a camera caught footage of the president clearly wincing in pain. And I remarked on Twitter that uh, he had a distinct look of someone who just missed the penalty kick that put his team out of the World Cup. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, the can and the camera goes slow motion, and you see the individual beads of sweat roll off the head as they lean back and look to the heavens in despair. Yeah, yeah. Look, I don't think in any way. I also saw Ben Shapiro tweeting about how. Uh, the president's blood can now be like an integral part of a of a cure for covid and now all <laughs> americans will have to be injected with trump's blood just totally normal normal stuff tweeting a tweeting from uh ben shapiro and look i i don't i don't think that um the uh multitude of people on twitter uh wishing for the president's death is able to have a real world effect not that i think people should stop doing it but I do think that the sort of tweeting and comments made by the president and his allies about how he's clearly beaten this thing uh, could have a real world effect on whether or not the president actually uh, does survive it. Yeah, he. Um... Are, how are you holding up during all this, Sam? I know that I uh, my sleep schedule has taken quite a hit because I find myself waking up several times in the middle of the night and checking my phone for a push notification. 
Um, ever since I was happened to be awake, you know, late Thursday night, early Friday morning when news broke that Trump had COVID, uh, I now just have FOMO every time I'm about to go to sleep. Well, I, I have definitely been, I've actually been sleeping later because I've been up later following the news. Yeah. And um, I've been watching cable news with my wife. We, we never watch cable news. And, but we're, we're watching it this week and, and we're glued to it, just like flipping back and forth uh, through the channels. Whenever they have a doctor on, we stay. And I don't know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's great TV. And I'm sure the president is going to brag about how high the TV ratings were when he was uh, getting on the helicopter, leaving Walter Reed. But uh, the ratings are not high for the reason that, that the president wants them to be high. Uh, We're watching too, them because we, we expect his health to fail at any moment. I, too, have been watching uh, cable news and have found it uh, pretty entertaining. And that's not to give any credit to any of the cable news hosts. It's just to say that. You know, when you have good vegetables, you make good soup. And what's going on right now makes for really good content. Let's uh, let's stay on top of it now. It's Tuesday, October 6th, 2020. Here's the news. More hilarious news today about powerful people getting the virus. <laughs> top military officials are now quarantining after the Coast Guard's second-in-command tested positive for COVID-19. Pentagon said today that Admiral Charles Ray tested positive yesterday and that all but one member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff will now be quarantining as a result. This doesn't appear directly related to half the White House getting infected during a ceremony last week celebrating the Supreme Court nomination of Typhoid Mary, but it's still pretty funny either way. Top U.S. government officials act like they're untouchable all the time, and now they're getting owned by some mandate of heaven shit. According to the Department of Defense, Ray was at the Pentagon last week for meetings with top military officials. For any nerds out there screaming at their podcast app about how the Coast Guard is part of the Department of Homeland Security, so why are military officials quarantining? Jeez, calm down, nerds. Because of Ray's presence at this meeting, top U.S. military leaders are now in self-isolation, including top Army General Mark Milley, chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, body that also includes the highest-ranking officers from the Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, National Guard, and Space Force, which is still a thing. The Pentagon said that none of the officials in quarantine have shown any symptoms, nor have they tested positive for COVID-19. Yet... The virus is the uh, the opposition party we've always wished for. The the anti-imperial left-wing force. Uh, I I take that back immediately as I remember that uh, two hundred thousand people are dead. Yeah, yeah, and uh, plus countless people now who uh, work at the White House, cleaning staff, who are now at uh, serious risk because the uh, the president's hell bent on infecting everybody around him. Moving on, U.S. oil and gas companies received a bailout this summer during the COVID pandemic that, according to a new watchdog report, was largely unnecessary. Government Accountability Office found that between March 24th and June 11th, 
The Bureau of Land Management approved reductions in royalty fees for fossil fuel producers operating on federal lands. On average, the royalty fee was reduced from 12.5% to about 1% for a period of 60 days. Oil and gas companies operating on federal lands have to pay royalty fees to the government, which are then divided between the federal government to fund infrastructure projects and states in which the wells are operating in. In 2019, for example, the federal government collected about $8 billion in royalty fees. Half of that was distributed to states to help fill budget holes like education programs. Royalty fee reductions are only supposed to be granted if a company has proven that without them, the well would be shut down and lead to permanent losses of resources underneath. Simply experiencing a downward economy is not sufficient, as the price of oil is often volatile. Heck, in just the last 15 years, the price of a barrel of crude has spiked as high as $150 and as low as negative $38. Through these peaks and valleys, companies continue production because the cost of shutting down wells is often not worth it. GAO found that BLM, Bureau of Land Management, did not consider these factors when it approved of royalty reductions for more than 580 leases between March and June. Reading from the report, quote, BLM cannot determine the effect of its temporary royalty relief policy because the agency did not design the policy to establish in advance where royalty relief was needed to keep oil and gas wells operating or how such relief would affect the well's long-term production, end quote. As a result, GAO concluded that the government lost as much as $4.5 million in revenue for just those few months. That also means losses of revenue for states that are already cash-strapped and considering austerity due to the pandemic-depressed economy. The watchdog noted that the $4.5 million figure is a conservative estimate, that doesn't capture the total losses in royalty fees to the government. As the report states, quote, nor does BLM know how much the temporary royalty relief cost in terms of unnecessary foregone royalty revenues, end quote. JO called on the director of the Bureau of Land Management to review its royalty relief program. The takeaway here is, while state and federal governments have absolutely resisted providing any sort of temporary rent relief or reduction to individuals who could be facing eviction down the line, it was more than happy to reduce payments from oil companies operating on federal lands that didn't need any help. Some breaking news about tomorrow night's vice presidential debate. I'll just read uh, from the push notification put out by the Washington Post. Quote, Trump-Biden campaigns at odds over pandemic safety precaution as Pence objects to plexiglass divider on his side of debate stage. <laughs> Why? It's, it's beginning to look like uh, a strategy of the Trump campaign is to infect the Democratic ticket. Uh, they've got nothing else left. I mean, I'm not putting it past uh, whatever election day activities they might engage in, such as like dispatching uh, their supporters and armed militias to guard polling places and relying on the courts to throw out millions of absentee ballots. But as these latest polling numbers show the Trump campaign increasingly losing sight of the Biden campaign, down 16 points nationally, according to the latest poll, maybe they're just resorting on infecting Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Um, 
We know Trump is still planning to debate in nine days, so. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. I mean, I can't imagine why else Mike Pence would object uh, to a barrier between himself and a woman. Regulators are issuing warnings about the use of a financial instrument designed to manage risk in the housing market. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Securities and Exchange Commission raised the issue Monday evening in a report on the impact of COVID-19 on financial markets. The instruments, so-called credit risk transfer securities, are being used by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the companies that bundle mortgages into financial assets guaranteed by the government. Fannie and Freddie have been fully owned by the government since since the 2008 financial crisis, and credit risk transfers have been used by the two firms since then to do exactly what the instrument says it's going to do in the name, transfer risk. In this case, from a publicly owned enterprise to private investors looking for a return on people's mortgage payments. The potential problem with so-called CRTs, according to the SEC, is that, quote, some investors finance their CRT exposure in a manner that creates potential stresses. The agency said that they use CRTs as collateral for getting short-term loans, which could leave financial markets vulnerable to sudden shocks. The structure, quote, may require a rapid unwind and can potentially create a feedback loop of forced selling and margin calls the latter referring to when a broker tells an investor that they need to put more money into their account because it has fallen below a certain value. The SEC said this was happening a lot in March with the margin calls right before the government set up emergency programs to respond to the pandemic crisis. The agency noted that there is $2 trillion in CRT risk held by banks, insurance companies, and government-sponsored enterprises. The agency said these firms should expect turbulence if COVID-19 and its aftershocks bring down property prices tied to CRT mortgages. Housing prices have been relatively stable during the pandemic so far, the agency noted. Mortgage forbearance rates, when a lender agrees to grant leniency to a borrower, peaked at 8.6% in June. But, the report noted, quote, the long-term impact has yet to unfold. Finally, the Department of Homeland Security released a first-of-its-kind threats assessment report, which highlights the dangers of white supremacists. The department reported that among all kinds of domestic extremists, white supremacists are the, quote, most persistent and lethal threat. Between 2018 and 2019, white supremacists conducted eight deadly attacks, killing 39 people. Reading from the report, quote, White supremacist extremists have demonstrated long-standing intent to target racial and religious minorities, members of the LGBTQ community, politicians, and those they believe promote multiculturalism and globalization at the expense of the white supremacist extremist identity. Since 2018, they have conducted more lethal attacks in the United States than any other domestic violent extremist movement. The report goes on to say that such extremists have heightened their attention to, quote, election or campaign-related activities, candidates' public statements, and policy issues connected to specific candidates. Obviously, the report doesn't mention the president by name because that would be awkward. 
It does warn, though, that, quote, open air, publicly accessible parts of physical election infrastructure, such as campaign associated mass gatherings, polling places and voter registration events would be the most likely flashpoints for potential violence, end quote. Last week, President Trump encouraged his supporters to guard polling places on Election Day. The DHS findings confirm earlier reports by journalist Ken Klippenstein about how federal law enforcement agencies are increasingly unable to ignore the threat posed by white supremacists. Klippenstein obtained internal DHS documents about the white supremacist threat to elections, which he published last month. Oddly, the DHS report also wades into MSNBC Rachel Maddow conspiracy territory. It claims that Russians are advancing misleading narratives about the COVID-19 pandemic. It alleges, quote, Moscow will probably study the American public's reaction to its COVID-19 disinformation to improve future influence campaigns aimed at shaking public confidence in Washington which it can unleash opportunistically during a crisis, hostilities, or a period of degraded relations, adding that Russian online influence actors have claimed that the U.S. president is incapable of managing the COVID-19 pandemic, end quote, which uh, that's just a basic fact here. They're just getting lazy here and just listing reasons that the U.S. is bad and then just slapping on a sticker that says because of Russia underneath. Yeah, yeah. I I honestly don't know what to make of this report. Seems to be a a lot of truth to it in addition to some resistance grift, although I guess you could say that uh, claiming that the Russians are spreading disinformation that the president isn't handling COVID well only works to absolve the president, who is clearly not handling COVID well. Worth noting also, this report comes out at a time when the president is too high on steroids to even notice it, probably. And that music means the newscast is over, and it's time to read a poem for a new subscriber over at Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. All new subscribers get their own haiku written for them and read on the air. They also get a free month access to Means TV, where they can check out our Means Morning News program. And Do they... it. Oh, by the way, the, the Means TV, if, if you're a subscriber, uh, there's a really good documentary called Struggle about how the Republicans almost certainly stole the election uh, in Ohio in 2004 mm. uh, for George W. Bush over John Kerry. It's a good watch. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of uh, many good watches on Means TV. So uh, definitely worth subscribing to get that free month. And if you're already a subscriber to Means TV, but not a subscriber to The Sentinel, you can subscribe to The Sentinel and still get a month free for Means TV. All right, so this haiku goes out to Leanne. Fingers still crossed for news about Stephen Miller and COVID-19. Thank you, Leanne. Yes, thank you, Leanne, and thanks to all the new subscribers. Again, that's patreon.com slash district sentinel. The show is over, but stay tuned. Tomorrow we'll be back with a brand new chip chat where we're talking about uh, some new legislation that's been introduced to protect whistleblowers and to uh, 
to restrict the use of the Espionage Act. So stay tuned for that. Thursday, we've got a brand new Means Morning News on Means TV, and then we're back here Friday with the Garbage Can Show for subscribers. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.